Welcome back to Four of a Kind Podcast, where you will learn from real-life experiences of amazing women and male allies, too, who support our mission to increase women's representation in business leadership. You will hear from founders, investors, startups, corporate leaders, and our own journeys, too. We want this podcast to empower you to go start that business, take that big job, and do it with confidence. So join us and exciting guests, and let's figure out what we can do to get there. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle. I'm excited to introduce Stephanie Gould Raven for this week's episode. Stephanie recently started two companies simultaneously. Both firms are equally exciting, and we will talk a bit about both today. But before we get started, I want to thank a mentor and a friend of mine, Brian, for the introduction to Stephanie. Brian has been listening since episode one and is one of our most loyal followers. No competition. And so when I asked him for an intro, he said, you've got to meet Stephanie. So here's a little bit about Stephanie. Stephanie is a proven operations executive with over 25 years of experience in senior leadership strategy and analytical roles in insurance, insure tech, and professional services. Stephanie currently is a board director for Insurance Acquisition Corp and contracted by Holborn Corporation as a strategic solutions consultant. Building her career as a business transformation advisor, she has continued to deliver demonstrable successes in change management and cultural transformation efforts at Aon. Stephanie also sat in global leadership roles at Guy Carpenter and Company Incorporated, Preferred Insurance Capital Consultant, PICC, and the Insurance Services Office, ISO. Most recently, Stephanie was head of corporate strategy at Holborn, bringing her expertise from Aspen Insurance, where she led operations as the senior vice president. This extensive journey, combined with her being a credentialed actuary and organizational psychologist, has inspired Stephanie to start two companies. Viridian NYC targets fundamental gaps that companies have and identifies ways to bridge those gaps to achieve successful strategic change and growth as their fractional and strategic COO. Meant to be is a new goal oriented mentoring platform that builds a one-on-one match between mentor and mentee through signature industry events. And she's also published in a number of various publications. There's so much we didn't include, but Stephanie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on this podcast. And we're also joined by one of my co-hosts, Kelsey Walsh. Thanks, Michelle. And hi, everyone. And thanks again, Stephanie. Looking forward to our discussion. So Stephanie, I was almost tempted to split your interview into two different episodes because there's so much to both firms. But let's start with Viridian NYC first. Can you tell us about the firm and your mission? Sure. Let me even give a little bit of a background. Corporations in 2019 are going to spend $1.7 trillion on transformation. So change is inevitable. And the real question is, is a company really poised for change? And not only that, 70% of organizational change efforts fail and largely driven by limitations in the leadership's ability to drive those changes. So that's like a lot of statistics all in one. But if you think about it, change is inevitable and we're not ready for change. So one of the things that a lot of companies fall short on is many companies just don't even bother having a COO or sometimes they'll have it as a CFO, COO combo. In either of those situations, who is going to lead the change effort for a company? When I was at a consulting firm previously on HR consulting, you know, a lot of the change management was led through the HR initiative, which can be helpful when you're trying to manage employees through, say, performance management processes. But if you think about 
larger strategic changes, whether it's not even just new systems or, or maybe even just a new approach to doing things or a new strategic initiative of whatever form, you know, the real question is who is going to own that strategic initiative? And a lot of companies just don't have anyone to own it. You'll have change leaders in IT, you'll have change leaders in HR, but in the end, who's going to understand the corporate change across an entire organization? And the person who's most poised for that would be the COO. But in those situations where the COO doesn't exist, or the CFOs, for example, shares the role of COO as well, in that end, there's nobody to default to. So when I started realizing and recognizing that, and, and you know, especially in the insurance sector, I see this quite regularly, the real question is, how can we drive this? And suddenly I started coming across the term of a fractional CFO, a fractional this. And so the idea of Viridian is to become a fractional COO. So maybe you can't afford it. Maybe you're a company going through times of change, times of growth, maybe the industry, the insurance industry, for example, the pricing has been so suppressed for so long that people just can't afford to have a full-time COO. That's yet another leader on your team. So the idea of a fractional COO is somebody who's there part-time, but who's there part-time to be dedicated to whatever initiatives that you need to roll out. And that way you have a member of your leadership team who could actually own and lead that change because the CFO is going to relate to anything related to finance. Your chief underwriting officer is going to relate to underwriting when we're in insurance. Your chief technical officer will focus on technology, but who's going to actually figure out how the rest of the firm kind of runs together as we look at these strategic changes. So that's really what I came across when I pulled together Viridian. That's really fascinating. I have so many questions, which we won't have time to go into on this interview because this is actually a lot of the work that I'm doing now. But I think when you talk about this concept of fractional CEO, are you focused on a specific size of business? Because I feel like this concept of fractional certain leadership roles, you see it a lot in those pure startup community where you just don't have enough bandwidth or payroll to support a lot of leadership positions, but where you need that advisory capacity. So is this where you're envisioning targeting smaller companies or is this a really larger companies that have these established positions, but it's really that cross-functional project change transformation where support's needed? You know, that's that's a really good question. That's why I like the phrase fractional over part-time or something like that. I think the answer is, is yes to all of the above. The obvious fit is for companies in growth mode. In the insurance space, you've got insurance technology firms, insure techs, where they don't have the bandwidth, they don't have the ability to hire a full-time COO. Other growth firms, as well as smaller, say, regionalized firms or smaller firms where they just can't afford it, maybe even some mom-and-pop shops are even slightly larger. Those are obvious areas where that part-time COO is kind of the fit. But then you can get to larger firms. And I'm actually speaking with a potential target right now. And, you know, they're a global company that operates across the globe. They have locations in Bermuda. They have locations on the States and the UK and, and Asia. So in that particular company, they have a lot of initiatives that are actually going on specifically in one region of the company. And when you get large enough, you actually have regional regionalized leadership. So in that particular case, they may have an overall COO, but they need someone to own the changes for their local, local business operations. So in that particular case, it's a cross-functional project, just as you were describing. They just need someone to own and someone to actually guide that change. Because the leaders themselves, the local president, the local CEO, they don't have the bandwidth to be able to do that. So I've actually got a couple of companies that I'm working with that are 
on the larger size. So it is a bit of both. That all makes sense. Lots of opportunity. At my old company, we used to have this saying, which maybe seemed funny at the time. But when I was at GE, we always used to say, can't spell change without GE. And so (laughs) there's like this concept (laughs) of... Yeah, it's pretty dorky. There's this concept of just like constant underlying cross-company, cross-functional change that is embedded somewhat in the culture. And if you think about the insurance industry, I, I speak for the insurance industry, but this actually applies probably to every industry right now. As we have more technologies entering the industry, that's shifting our processes, that's shifting our thoughts, how analytics are being done are being done separately and differently because of the power of the computing power that we have, because of artificial intelligence and machine learning that's coming in. So all of this stuff is shaking the tree a lot. So I think the actual answer is every company should be in constant change. And for anyone who's worked in a company where they are going through change, that's kind of scary. You know, most people don't like to change. Most Mm -hmm. people want their, they don't want their cheese to be moving. They don't want their iceberg to be melting. There's a couple of different books there that I love regarding that. Fact of the matter, it is. And the only way you can do that is to have somebody who can actually own that through and through and just make sure they steer it. Some companies, the big companies, they might have project managers and and a big, huge project management team. So this is not really designed to be that. But again, you do need someone who's going to be in charge of it. You do need someone who's going to take it to the leadership level. Because the other part I even missed describing before is when I mentioned how leadership isn't aligned with change, and that's honestly one of the biggest reasons for change efforts to fail, you do need at least one leader on your leadership team to be aligned with change. And so having that COO kind of dedicated to change helps to bring that leadership team on board. And then bit by bit, then everybody else can feel a little bit more comfort because then each leader feels comfortable with their own, with the change in and of itself. I know you explained uh, the business rationale for starting Viridian, but can you also explain your personal thought process about how you decided this was the right opportunity for you, how you decided on timing and all the pieces that one might be able to take and use that same advice when starting any kind of company, whether or not in the professional services space? You know, that's a loaded question. (laughs) However you want to answer it, but. (laughs) I I think as you started out, when my bio was read right at the beginning, you can tell I've kind of dipped my toe in a lot of different ponds. And and I used to think, okay, I don't have the creativity to create something. I don't have that. I'm an actuary and an organizational psychologist, but that doesn't necessarily mean I can create something. So I remember just, I kept thinking about all different sorts of ideas. And the day came when I got my, I got my organizational psychology degree later in my career. So. So I'm a career changer already. In fact, you could argue I'm on my third career. So I started out as a a concert pianist um, and opera singer. Then later I moved on to becoming an actuary. And then that wasn't enough. And I got my organizational psychology degree. And when I got this org psych degree, I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? I mean, that's business psychology. That's how people change. That's understanding culture. And so those are great elements. But how could I bridge the technical side of things being an actuary and, and the side of things becoming, you know, understanding the people side of the fence? And so that's where the idea of a COO came in. But that's also where I... I had so many conversations with folks on their definition of COO and it's amazing to see that everybody's definition is different. And so that's why you may have even heard me preface this whole thing about change. So my definition of COO is somebody who can actually help marshal the change, somebody who can own that cross-functional 
look and make sure that things are getting done. And, and so bit by bit, it just evolved. So I knew that the strategic COO role was perfect for me. That's where I had an opportunity at Aspen and furthermore at Holborn. But now I started taking a look inwardly saying, well, how can I do this for more? Many of Holborn's clients, for example, are smaller regional insurance companies and they don't have COOs. I've been playing around within the insure tech world as well, and they don't have COOs. And so more and more, I was like, well, wait a second, I'm the change COO. So who else could do that? And how can we do that? And so then someone brought up the whole fractional idea to me in a CFO capacity. And I said, well, why can't we do it on a COO capacity? So it really just evolved over time. And I, I literally just encapsulated my entire lifetime into this one paragraph. <laughs> I feel like there's more questions there on the concert pianist part of your background. But um, yeah, so Stephanie, it sounds like in the various parts of your background that you've shared with us so far, these are things that you are passionate about, whether it's from a strategic standpoint or pursuing another degree, time and time again, you pursued those passions. Can you tell us a little bit about Meant to Be, which is another passion of yours? Oh yeah, absolutely. Meant to be actually kind of came up a little bit before Viridian, but almost simultaneously. When I stepped down from Holborn's leadership team in March of this year, I remember one person came up to me and said to me, so who do I have to look up to? And I remember thinking, you know, because uh, I was the only female on the leadership team. So suddenly the only female is stepping off the leadership team. And that was an interesting question. And I said to her, I was like, well, of course you can always access me. I mean, my door is always open. I'm still here. I physically have an office within Holborn's location. But it really started ringing a bell. And when you look at a lot of the psychological research, even though I didn't grow up with a mentor per se, a lot of research says that people benefit from mentors. But the thing is, if you put it all together, that's where I finally said, but most people get it wrong. You know, you could have an industry organization develop a mentorship program, but oftentimes those industry organizations, they're nonprofits. They are part-time jobs for some people, maybe full-time for an event planner. And they may be passionate about it, but they still don't have the time on their docket to do everything. So they're busy doing everything else apart from just the mentoring relationship. So for them to be able to roll something out, they aren't necessarily going to help create that partnership that you need to. Likewise, in an individual company, say large companies, many large companies will have mentor programs and those are helpful depending on the topic of your mentorship program. So they can be helpful to mentor you through understanding how to navigate the waters, for example, of, of that specific company. But then you might not have enough of that. Maybe you don't feel safe having conversations with someone from within your company about the challenges that you're facing. So maybe you want that outside voice to help you out. And then finally, small companies like Holborn, where it's a very small company, there's no way you're going to have a formal mentorship program because there's just not enough people to go around. So when I put all of those pieces of the puzzle together, I said, well, what's missing is a formalized mentorship program that's available to all, that's dedicated to it. And then the other thing I wanted to do was a lot of times, a lot of these mentorship programs, you just get assigned a mentor. And so instead, why don't you pick your mentor? Why doesn't a mentor pick you? So this kind of gets into a dating game where the name meant to be really kind of comes from. It sounds like a dating game. This is a dating game because we want to choose each other. 
the mentors, the relationships that we build in our lives get stronger if we both individually want to work with each other. So that was a second component of meant to be. And finally, the third was smart goals, right? The specific, measurable, achievable, relatable, and time oriented. So those things, we want to have smart goals. So if I, I set up this artificial at first mentor relationship where we just met each other for five minutes and now we've picked each other. Now, if I have a specific time-oriented goal with short bursts of change can help produce more bursts of change in your life. So then have that relationship targeted for only like six months or less and have a specific smart goal so that you can actually achieve that goal and then value the relationship. And ultimately in the end, that may be all you need that mentor for and you can go and find another mentor because who says you can't have 20 mentors in your life? So that's meant to be in a nutshell. I love that idea because I like using the phrase that networking or mentoring or finding a mentor is like dating. You have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince. And it's not funny anymore because I think I've said it a couple times on this podcast, <laughs> but in my head, it's still funny because I like cheesy jokes. Uh, but Stephanie, can you talk a little bit more about who the audience is? What type of individuals you're seeking to be a part of this mentoring network? So this is going to be a sizing type of network. So what I've started doing, I rolled out the first network event, and this is not going to be dedicated, by the way, to the insurance industry. So I did roll out my first networking event in September for women in insurance in New York. That's really just because of access to enough mentors and mentees to make it a valuable test case where we could create that proof of concept. Interestingly, at that event, one of the bartenders, the owner of the kind of the company that does the bartending, asked me if I was doing something for hospitality. So I may have a hospitality event coming up in, in 2020. So, so bit by bit, I'm growing. I love your kiss the frog analogy because it actually goes really, really well. In that event, I basically said to everybody in that moment, I said, Welcome to speed dating for professional development. And a little unnerving for, for a lot of people. In the end, so that event, I ended up targeting women in reinsurance and the mentors in that case were kind of in their 40s-ish and the mentees were in their early 30s, late 20s. So people with a little bit of experience, but looking to do more. So that's roughly the target that I had. But if you go to speed dating events, what they do is they have these different groupings. So you might have speed dating for cougars, speed dating for, <laughs> uh, which they do have that. Yeah, I know. Speed dating for people in their 40s and their 50s. So I envision actually, I'll have a speed dating for executives. So, so there might be one that is for people who are trying to finally go to the final rung to the C-suite. So let's actually have a C-suite type of, of speed date. So that's how each of these events will be. They'll be completely targeted to an industry. They'll be targeted to your role, not your role within the industry. So an HR person could easily be coached or mentored by somebody who's on the front end because they could learn from that person. But I am keeping it industry specific. And then I'll do something along the lines of experience levels. So I'm hoping to actually roll out another one in February or March of 2020. And I'll probably have two back to back. And one will be similar to the one that I had in September, where it was people in with 20 years of experience with people with five to 10. And then I may have a separate one where I have 20 years of experience and um, with mentors with 30 of experience. Very small, specific targets. And the Nights are really tiring. You end up getting, we did 16 individual one-on-one -on -one speed dates. They were wiped out toward the end. But if you think about it, you've at least had valuable one-on-one -on -one conversations with people that you would not have at your traditional networking event. 
So this becomes a real structured networking. So even if you walk away and you don't end up with a mentor, what you did get is you actually met 16 people in a much more intimate setting, even if for five minutes. I like that idea. I mean, we, we talk a lot about mentorship. Sometimes it feels like there's this pressure to have this perfect mentor. And what I like about this kind of event that you're putting together is that you still have the opportunity to get perspective from 16 different people, I think is is really valuable on its own. And even if at that particular event, you didn't find your, I was about to say you didn't find your frog, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking no, for a frog or a it. prince or a prince frog that turns into a prince, but if you're looking for the perfect mentor, I don't know that I, there is no perfect mentor. I, a mentor that's good for me right now might last maybe for five years. Who knows? I mean, I've been in the industry long enough. I, I would presume it would last for five years. But as you're going through your change in your career, the mentor that's going to be good for you right now may not be the good mentor for you in six months. You could get promoted and suddenly you need someone else who can help you, you know, navigate difficult waterways because you suddenly entered into this odd department. So there's a lot of different ways. So I think meant to be is like meant to be now. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And it's interesting that you mentioned two very important dynamics, which is experience level and industry. One of the things that we haven't tackled on the podcast, but I kind of want to ask you if you've thought about this particular dynamic too, which is life stage. So Mm. one of the One of the dynamics that we haven't faced on our podcast is life stage, and that is becoming an increasingly, as a society, we're becoming more aware that life stage does play a role in career progression and career management. I would be interested in in hearing in the future if you include that into another dimension of the speed mentoring sessions that you host. I've been asked that already, actually. One one of the folks who was helping me out through setting this up was was asking, you know, what about helping someone else who wanted to, from a life stage perspective, re-enter the workforce, but enter it in a completely different career. And I've had other folks ask me about, if you think about life stages, you could even include just graduating from college. So I have been asked about that. Those are a lot more difficult. What I do like about this idea, so One part I didn't mention before is I'm trying to keep this affordable too. So I don't want it to be something where a mentee has to be expected to pay $500 or $1,000 per membership just to be able to get a mentor. I've seen that in some mentor things. I've actually seen it in this one women's networking thing here in New York that when I saw the price, I think it was like $3,000 to join. And I was just thinking, wow, even in my point in my career, I don't want to spend $3,000 just to join this exclusive club. So instead, it's 20 bucks, right? You go pay 20 bucks to come to the event, and which means I need to rely a lot more heavily on sponsors. But what this does do is for people at different phases in their life. So let's say someone has left work to raise children and they want to return to work. This can be an opportunity for them to kind of re-enter the workforce gently where they can actually have that. Now, if they've already been working at some point in time, it's almost like you're going to pick up where you left off. So then, you know, maybe you would join the folks with 10 years of experience uh, in the mentoring thing. So there would be a possibility regardless of a kind of a focus on someone returning to work. Whether I have a specific event targeted for people, again, it all depends on whether I can get the critical mass. There is value in that. Uh, The value for the mentors is that they can actually access future talent. And so if you think about it, in my opinion, great untapped talent is folks re-entering the workforce because they're ready to go. And that would be a phenomenal place for them to meet, but I haven't gotten there yet. Good question. We've gotten to discuss 
all kinds of things. I think from wonderfully interesting career path to starting your own company, Viridian, to starting this mentorship program. Do you have any specific advice or words of wisdom for our listeners? I think they will really identify with a lot of the things you talked about because one, either they might be great candidates for a program like Meant to Be, or they are thinking about what they're going to do next in their careers and might have a lot of options or might be worried about how to make the right choice. I I say that in quotation marks because there probably isn't a right choice, but make the next choice. If we think about career progression, you know, an interesting one to think about. Now, Viridian, by the way, the color of Viridian is kind of a blue and a green mix. So think about that as blue sky and green for your bottom line. I think when we think about our career transitions or or work transitions, don't be afraid to look at the blue skies. I rewrote myself over and over and over again as I was trying to figure out what can I create? What can I do? Now, obviously, I'm the primary wage earner for my household, so I have to be mindful of the bottom line, too. But don't be afraid of looking at the blue sky. And and the other part is, which goes with the mentorship part, don't be afraid to ask questions or ask for help. You know, a lot of times people just aren't willing to ask. They're scared to ask. They're timid. And every time I give people a word of advice is just ask. You know, if you want a promotion, don't expect it to come to you. Ask for it. If you want more, if you think you deserve more money, have that conversation because they're not going to go and give you that that money without you prompting it. A lot of times, a lot of companies are just kind of clueless at that point in time. So it's just, if you need something, ask for it. Two really great pieces of advice. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us today. If our listeners are interested in learning more about Viridian or Meant to Be, where can they find more information? I have a website for Viridian. It's viridian.nyc and also meanttobe.com and it's M-E-N-T-T-O-B-E.com. Those give you a little bit of access. I also have a LinkedIn profile or LinkedIn company for Meant to Be and I'll just make sure that I share those with you after this call. Great. Thanks so much. And yeah, we will be sure to include links to the websites in, in the show notes. Just a quick note before we wrap up on our schedule for next week, which is the week of the Christmas holiday, we will be taking Friday off to spend some time with family and friends, relax, rejuvenate before we dive into 2020. And we will be back on Friday, January 3rd with an awesome new episode kicking off a really exciting season of content in 2020. So in the meantime, definitely check out episodes uh, wherever you get your podcast. And we can't wait to visit with you in the new year. As always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today. If you'd like to reach us, please send an email at fourofakindpodcast at gmail.com. And you can always follow us on Instagram for the latest news on the pod at fourofakindpodcast. And don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get our podcasts. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.